Hey, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us today at Genesis. I want to say a special hello to those of you that are tuning in online. Hello to Amelia, Sydney, and Eli joining us from Florida today and to all the rest of you. I want to say good job for those of you that are in the room with us today. When I found out that there was snow, I thought it's going to be like me and my family. And you guys have totally surprised me. So good job. Fantastic. How many of you are ready for the cold to go away though? I am. I, I love the snow, but... I'm just ready for warmer temperatures. And one of the reasons I'm ready for warmer temperatures is I like to mountain bike and this isn't just, this isn't the greatest mountain biking weather. So I'm ready for, to transition into spring. Uh, but last fall, my friend Sam and I took our families on a camping trip to the hills of Virginia. And we found out that there were mountain bike trails there. So we were real excited. We took our bikes. We couldn't wait to mountain bike in a new place. And we had a good time. Sam and I went, and out, went out and hit the trails. But the problem was the trails weren't maintained very well. And when I say they weren't maintained very well, like there were places that there wasn't a trail at all. You would be riding along. You've ever done this? You're hiking or you're riding. And all of a sudden you're like, where, where did it go? It looked like maybe a deer had been there, but not, not bikes. Like it was just gone. And it was really dangerous because one time we were flying down a hill. I was leading the way and the trail went this way, but I had no idea. And so just so you know, if you're mountain biking and that happens, that just means you're riding in the woods. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what's going to happen next. It was a little frustrating, but here's the worst part. We're in the hills of nowhere, Virginia. We missed a turn and we came out on someone's private property by their house in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. And there were banjos playing. There weren't really banjos, but there could have been. That's where we were. And so we got our phones out and we were looking and we had to find our way back. And we had a good time, but we both decided... This is super frustrating to ride on trails like that, right? And if you've ever gone hiking or maybe you've gone on a trip and you lost your way, it's, it's just, it's not the way you had planned for it to be, right? Now, that's true when you hike or when you go on a trip, but it's also true with our spiritual lives as well, right? I mean, how many of you, you're, you're trying to follow God, you're trying to like grow closer to him, but along the way you reach a fork in the road, or there's a decision ahead of you. And you're like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And if there's no one there to guide you, if there's not a sign saying, turn here, and you get a little further on and it gets frustrating, are, are you tempted to quit? Are you thinking, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I don't, I don't really need this. I didn't sign up for this. Well, here at Genesis, we get that. And that's why our mission is to help people find their way back to God. But specifically, we wanna help people find their way back to God through a relationship with Jesus Christ, to know him personally. And that mindset shapes everything that we do here. We want everything that we do to point people to Jesus. And so if you've been around Genesis for a while, you may remember this. I want you to go back three lifetimes ago with me to 2019. Remember 2019? Seems like forever ago. In the fall of 2019, we launched something that we call the pathway. And it looks something like this, but this pathway has four major steps on it. And the purpose of this pathway is to help people connect in community, encounter Jesus, follow Jesus, and then multiply their life into a few different people. And this pathway, it represents, it's kind of like a, a pathway for spiritual growth, but it's also a repeatable pattern of disciple making where you can find where you are and you can also help people that you know in your life take a next step in their relationship with Jesus. And so let me hit these real quick. The first one makes, it makes a lot of sense, I think, is connecting in community. We're not meant to do this life alone. You need a spiritual community of people around you that are helping you, okay? And so we want to help you find a place where you can get to know some people. And this could be in a group setting or maybe on Sunday morning, but beyond that, right, we connect in community. And then we encounter Jesus, we discover Jesus for who he is. And we might ask some questions like, could he really be 
the Son of God. Is it possible that he died for my sins? But we encounter Jesus, and that leads us to follow Jesus. And following Jesus means that we begin to pattern our lives after his. We want to live the way that he lived. And then it comes to step number four, where we leverage our relationships with the people that we love and care for. And we begin to share our lives with them so they can find their way to Jesus. Okay? I believe this is a pathway that we're all on in some way, shape, or form. And you'll notice it's not a linear path. It's actually circular in nature because we find ourselves on here and then we take a next step and we grow, but we also help other people to do that. So it's a pathway for spiritual growth. It's a pattern that we repeat over and over again in our life. Now, you might look at that and think, that's really cool. That's pretty clever. Or if you're visiting, you might think it looks like a pyramid scheme to me. I don't want anything to do with that, right? Well, I want you to know today we're going to continue to study through the Gospel of John together. And I want to show you where we got this pathway idea. We didn't come up with it on our own. It's actually modeled for us in the life and ministry of Jesus. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. For the last four weeks, we've been in a year-long series that we're calling Grow. And our goal in this Grow series is to study the gospel of John together. So as Paul said, we can grow in our relationships with Jesus, but we can also grow together as a church family. And what we're going to see today is that John tells us where this pattern came from. Now, you might think, well, why did you choose the Gospel of John? Well, one of the reasons is that John, the guy that wrote the Gospel of John, was a friend of Jesus. He knew Jesus personally. And so when we read John's words, we're reading from a guy that was there. He said, I can tell you what he looked like. I can tell you where, where he went, what he said, and how he lived. He knew Jesus personally. Okay, so that's why we're studying John. And I'm really excited to jump into today's passage of Scripture. But before we do... I want to give you a recap of where we've been over the last few weeks because what we'll see is it's all going to start to fit together. So two weeks ago, we learned that John opened up his gospel account with an introduction and he blatantly tells his readers, my friend Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He's eternal and he is responsible for creating everything everywhere. That's how he starts. But then he goes one step further and he says, not only was Jesus God, he's God in the flesh. He says he came to this world just like us. He entered into humanity so that we can relate to him and he can relate to us. Now, this is such a profound truth that we're going to revisit this next week. Michael Amatuzo is going to teach on this next week. It's that important to us. We need to revisit this over and over and over again. But John says this, when Jesus came into humanity, it was like a bright light coming into a dark and dying world. And John said, that light that Jesus brought brings life, eternal life. And anyone that would put their faith and trust in Jesus would have the right to be called children of God. There's not a greater, greater title that we can carry in our lives. So that was last week. Now, that's a pretty powerful way to begin a biography about your friend, right? And then last week, John introduced us to another guy named John, John the Baptist. And maybe you've wondered, like, why do they call him John the Baptist? Was he the first ever Baptist? Not that there's anything wrong with being Baptist, but no, that's not why. He baptized people. He was baptizing people saying, be prepared, God's Messiah is stepping onto the scene. And we learned this last week, John the Baptist had a unique way of referring to Jesus. This is what he said in John 1, This was our whole message last week. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And here's what John the Baptist was saying. He would point to Jesus and say, behold, the Lamb of God, there's the Messiah right there. 
He has come in humanity to die in our place as the Lamb of God so that our sins could be forgiven. It's a powerful proclamation about who Jesus is and why he has come and why we would place our faith in him. Now that's a quick recap. And if your head's spinning a little bit, that's okay. You can go back to our YouTube channel. You can watch previous messages. You can download the podcast. But I wanna invite you to read along with us this week. This week, we're gonna be studying through John 1, 35 through 51. And in a moment, I'm gonna read the whole thing together. And we're gonna break it down piece by piece. And we're gonna find that pattern I was telling you guys about. And I want to challenge you to ask yourself this question. Where am I on this pathway? What's the next step for me? And who can I invite to participate with me? Who has God put in my life that I can invite, that I can help them find their way to Jesus? But before we read the passage together, before we study it, I wanna pray and let's ask for the Holy Spirit's help to guide us as we study God's word together. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come to you right now and we don't just wanna invite you to be with us. We need you. We need you to illuminate the pages of scripture as only you can. We need you to give us spiritual eyes so that we can be reminded of timeless truths. But I pray that you'd give us spiritual eyes to see things we've never seen before so that we don't just learn things, but we can learn to follow you. Would you give us spiritual ears to hear your voice calling to us? Would you give us obedient hearts? to apply what we learn, to obey you, Jesus, so that we can grow in our relationship with you and as we'll see today, so we can go and pursue others that you've put in our life so they can find their way back to you as well. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It is in your powerful, glorious, beautiful name that we pray, amen. All right, so let's jump in. John chapter one, verse 35 begins like this. The next day, John, referring to John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said, who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Verse 45, when Philip found Nathanael, I'm sorry, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the, uh, the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, come and see, said Philip. Now there's a lot in that narrative. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna break it down bit by bit, verse by verse, and we're gonna find this pattern to learn how we can live it out in our life. So let's go back to verse 35 and begin there. Verse 35 begins like this, the next day. Okay, if you have a paper copy of the Bible, you can serve that, uh, you can circle that because it's gonna, it shows up three different times in John chapter one. It shows up the first time in verse 29 meaning when he says the next day, so we're on day two. Here in verse 35, it's day three. And we're gonna see this again in verse 43. So that's day four. So John's giving us a day by day 
by day by day account of the moment, of the occasion when Jesus met his very first followers for the very first time. But let's focus in specifically on this day in verse 35. It says, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Now, this is important. We learned that John the Baptist had his own followers. They listened to his teaching. They followed him. They, they did their best to obey him. And we learn later the names of these two men. The one is named Andrew. He's Peter's brother. The other, it doesn't say this, but it's assumed that it's actually John that's writing us the gospel of John. So stop and enjoy this. John is saying, I want you to know about the day, the moment, the first time that I saw Jesus. I'm gonna tell you all about that interaction. So the next day, John the Baptist was there with two of his disciples. Verse 36 says, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. This is the second day in a row that John the Baptist makes this declaration. Look, the Lamb of God. Now look at verse 37. When the two disciples, when Andrew and John heard this, they followed Jesus. So those two guys heard about Jesus and what did they do? They started following Jesus. This is the beginning of that pattern that I was telling you about. Now, this is so important. I want you to do one of two things, if not both of them. If you're taking notes, write this down. They heard and they followed. They heard and they followed. But I also want you to repeat it. Okay, so they heard and they followed. This time, you people online, ready? They heard and they followed. You might think, that's really silly. Well, it's a pretty profound pattern and we're gonna see it play out over and over and over again. And you're gonna find where you get to interact with this as well. They heard and they followed. So look at verse 38. They begin following Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Now, at first glance, if you're just reading through this, you're thinking, this is no big deal. This is like people meet each other all the time, right? But here's what I find funny. This first interaction is kind of awkward. These two guys hear a rumor about Jesus from John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God, and what do they do? They don't walk up and say, hi, Jesus, we've heard good things about you. Apparently, Jesus walked by and they just started following him. That is called stalking, okay? And stalking has never been socially acceptable. None of us want to be stalked and none of us want to be known as stalkers. It's weird. And these two guys do what guys do. They made it awkward. And Jesus notices and he turns around and he asks them a very simple and yet very direct question. He says this, what do you want? What do you want? Now, in Greek, what do you want is one word. It's the word zeteo. And zeteo means to seek after, to aim at, to strive for, or get this, to crave. It's a pretty strong word, pretty strong phrase, right? So in other words, Jesus isn't saying, what are you looking at, you weirdos? He's actually saying something like, you look like you're looking for something. What is, it, what is it that you need? Can I help you? Now, I want you to put yourself in their shoes. You've just heard a rumor from your teacher that this guy is the Messiah. And you begin to follow after him. And he, the Messiah, turns to you and says, can I help you? Is there something that you're looking for? What would you say? If Jesus asked you that question today, what would you say? I would be tempted to say, hey, Jesus, 
I don't know what it's going to take, but could you help my team make the playoffs next year? Because I just don't like not seeing them in the playoffs, right? Or if you're a student, you might think, I got a quiz this week. I bet, Jesus, you probably know the answers to that quiz. Would you mind sliding those my way? That'd be a really cool way to start a friendship, right? But that doesn't seem appropriate, so we're not going to ask him those kinds of questions. But here's a question you might want to ask him. Hey, Jesus, is there any way that you could help me with my anxiety and my depression because they're driving me crazy? Hey, Jesus, I'm failing this class. Can you, can you, is there any way you can help me? Can you send someone to help me? Hey, Jesus, I'm feeling pretty lonely. I, I'd, I'd love to have a partner, a spouse. I'd love to find a new job. Any way you can help? Hey, Jesus, I'm in debt. Is there any chance you can help me get out of the debt that I'm in? Jesus, do you have any parenting advice? I could use your help. Could you help me live at peace with my spouse? Like those are all very reasonable questions, right? Those are, those are not bad questions. But these two men that are following after Jesus, we get the sense that they were following John the Baptist and now they're following Jesus because they were looking for something deeper. They were spiritually hungry. They were looking for answers to deep spiritual questions. They were looking for a spiritual purpose in their life. They couldn't find it from the religious leaders of the day. They weren't even able to get what they were looking for through John the Baptist. They had a craving and to quote Bono, they still hadn't found what they were looking for. They were looking everywhere. And here's the thing, you and I, whether we know it or not, we are just like them. We are looking to people. We are looking to experiences. We're looking to apps and sports teams we are looking for someone, somewhere, or something to take that craving away. And this is why we're studying the gospel of John, because John tells us there's one place that you can go to find everything that you've ever needed in life, and it's found in Jesus and in knowing him personally. So let's go back to verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want, Zeteo? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now think about this. These guys have already stalked him and now they're saying, hey, where do you live? Terrible question. So awkward. Why would they do that? Like Jesus should get a restraining order. Get away from me. But I read a commentator that explained this to me and this helps make sense, okay? He's the Messiah. John the Baptist has said that. He's, maybe these guys are thinking, hey, I heard you're a Messiah. You're probably pretty busy if your schedule's tied up, but where could we meet you later? We would just like to find some time to meet with you. Can I get on your calendar? Now that seems to make a little more sense to me. And here's the thing, to their surprise, the Messiah, Jesus, look at what he says to them in verse 39. Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying. They spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Now, when I get to heaven, I wanna meet John and say, John, I love this story, but I wish you had given us more details. You told us so little. All we know is they got to spend the day together. We don't know if it was two hours or 12 hours. All we know is that Jesus said, hey, come investigate. I'd love to meet you guys. That's all we know. But this is where the story starts to get really, really good. And this is where the story gets practical for me and you. Look at verse 40 and 41. After spending the day with Jesus, I'm sorry, verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. There's the pattern. He heard, he followed. John's repeating it for us again. 
but I want you to pay attention to what Andrew does next. Here's the game changer. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. He heard about Jesus. He started following after Jesus. After he met Jesus, he went and found someone he loved and he brought him to Jesus. That's the pattern in its entirety. So I want you, again, if you're writing it down, write this down. If you want to know, like, where am I in life? You're in one of these four categories. If you want to know, how can I grow in my spiritual walk? You're gonna, it's going to be in one of these categories. So I want you to repeat this with me. He heard, he followed, he found, and he brought. We are all on that road somewhere. He heard, he followed, he found, he brought. This is the way. That's for all you Star Wars nerds out there. This is the way. This is how you follow Jesus. This is how you grow spiritually. If you want to know what to do or where you are, you're either hearing, following, finding, or bringing. I'm convinced this is what Jesus wants for us. I'm convinced that this is where spiritual growth happens. And here's what's crazy. The pattern continues. Look at verse 43. The next day, so there's that phrase again. This is day four. Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the same town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Did you see the pattern? Jesus found Philip and said, follow me. Now, we don't know if Jesus and Philip knew each other. I'm guessing they probably did, but we don't know. But he said, follow me. But what did Philip do? Philip went and found his friend Nathaniel, told him about Jesus. In other words, Nathaniel heard and he brings him to Jesus. And here's what's really cool. If you, well, look at verse 46. This is Nathaniel's response. Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? There seemed to be like a little bit of a uh, competition between these towns. This is like saying, Carmel, those people are the worst. Noblesville, gross, right? That's what's happening here. Like Nazareth, really? You want me to hang out with somebody from Nazareth? What's Philip say? Come and see. Does that sound familiar? It's the same invitation that Jesus used. You see this pattern play out. And here's what's really cool. If you read to the end of the story, Nathaniel has a brief meeting with Jesus. And John records for us the moment that Nathaniel confesses his faith in Jesus. Verse 49, Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. He hits on everything that Jesus is, our teacher, the son of God, the king of Israel, our king. And how did it happen? It happened because Philip heard, Philip followed. He found a friend and he brought him to Jesus. It's been the pattern of the church for the last 2,000 years. And so here's the question, where are you on the journey? Who is waiting for you to invite them on the journey? It's a pathway of spiritual growth. It is a pattern of disciple making. And this is one of the reasons we're so excited to study through the gospel of John this year, because we believe everything and anything we need in this life is found in Jesus. And so if you are a man or a woman, a mom or a dad, a husband or a wife, a student, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, even a stranger, you can apply this to your life. 
you can find a place to grow and you can invite others to join you on the journey. That's our goal for every one of us individually, but it's our goal for us as a church family, which is why we're telling you about this pathway. We believe everybody's on here somewhere. And so today I want you to identify where are you and how can you take a next step? And we want to help you. We talked about this earlier. The first step is to connect in community. What's interesting about these men in Jesus's life is they knew each other. It says that three of them were from the same town. And so you get the sense two of them were seeking spiritual things together. So we're not meant to do this life alone. It's like for those of you that are tuning in online, I know some of you, you've been tuning in line for a long time, but you don't have like a spiritual community around you. We want to invite you when you feel comfortable to join us in the room. The goal isn't to be in the room. The goal is to have a spiritual community of people that you are doing life with and you've got to start somewhere. And today we're going to make it as easy as it can be. Right after service, we're offering a 20-minute meeting called Intro to Genesis. You can meet our staff. You can ask us questions. We'd love to tell you about who we are and what we believe. But the point of Intro to Genesis is to say, hey, what are some of the spiritual gifts you have? How can we help you find a place to serve? Let me tell you about some groups where you can meet with other people so you can begin to have a spiritual community. It's the way the church is meant to function. Another great way to jump into community is through our connection groups. Our connection groups are launching this week. They're meeting in camp- on campus and homes and in cafes, and they're going to be studying the gospel of John together. And the purpose of these groups, they read and study scripture together and they pray for one another. But then this really weird thing happens. People actually become friends and they share life together and they start meeting outside of the day when their group meets. It's a really dangerous thing, but it's a beautiful thing. I have the privilege of being part of two of these groups. One is a men's group on Wednesday morning. And another group is a group of people that meet in our home on Thursday night. These people are like family to me. We love them. They love us. Our kids look forward to seeing them. So you're not meant to do life alone. If you're not in a group yet, we've got groups that are launching. Go to the blue tent in the lobby after service or go to our website, genesischurch.me forward slash groups. Email us at info at genesischurch.me. We would love to help you find a group. There's men's groups and there's women's groups, but this is your opportunity to step into a community. And I know it's scary, but you're not meant to do this alone. So first we connect in community. But the second step is we encounter Jesus. We discover Jesus for who he really is, not who people tell us he is, not who we think he is, not who we want him to be, but who he is. And as we encounter Jesus, we learn how to follow him. But part of encountering Jesus is reading and studying God's word for yourself and then discussing it with people. And that can be a little intimidating. And so Next week, we're offering something that we call a SOAPS workshop. SOAPS stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer, and Share. And in this workshop taking place next Saturday morning at our Noblesville campus, Kevin Russell is going to teach you through a really simple method that you can use to study Scripture and that can help you have conversations with people. But part of that is learning to share it with people, learning how to share your faith. Now, as we encounter Jesus, we naturally begin to follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you learn to pattern your life after his. It's the most rewarding thing in the world, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. But where do you begin? Well, one of the places you begin is by being baptized into Jesus. You're you're baptized. It's a physical representation of a spiritual reality that's taking place inside of you. And as Paul said earlier, we're going to be celebrating baptisms right here at both of our campuses next week. 
In fact, we've got several people that have signed up and said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to do that. We are ready to celebrate. But maybe you've never been baptized before, or maybe you're like me. You have, but you don't remember anything about it because you were an infant and you were sprinkled and you've seen pictures, you've heard stories, but that's not the point of baptism. The point of baptism is you make this decision on your own. You declare your faith in Jesus. And we've got a whole bunch of people in our church family that would love to celebrate that with you. So if you're interested in baptism, I want you to come find me or Paul right after service down front. We'd love to begin a conversation with you. We're not going to try to convince you of anything, I promise. But we would love to at least begin that conversation because this is a really important step of faith. If you're tuning in online and you're curious, email us at info at genesischurch.me. We'll, we'd love to follow up with you this week and have that conversation. The last step on the pathway, we talked about this is to multiply a few. This is where you leverage your relationships at work and at home and in your family. And you begin to share your faith in Jesus. Now, that might mean that you invite people to come to church with you. Maybe. It probably means that you pray for them. You pray with them. But all that seems a little intimidating, doesn't it? Well, and on February 18th and 19th, we're offering a multiply workshop at our Noblesville campus. It's a two-day event, Friday, Saturday. Multiply is a wonderful training opportunity where you can learn some very practical ways that you begin to pray for people, scriptures that you can memorize and share, but it's just to teach you how to share your faith in who Jesus is. So we would love to have you join us at the Multiply Workshop. There's lots of opportunities right now for you to take a next step. This decision is up to you. I can't make it for you. And so here's the pattern here follow, find, bring. Here, follow, find, bring. It's so simple. Let me give you a practical look. At what, uh, I wanna, I'm gonna share practically what it looks like. So in 2014, uh, there's a lady named Kelsey. In 2014, her friends invited her to Genesis Church. She had never been to a church like Genesis before. Her parents only went on like Christmas and Easter, maybe. Just seemed like the right thing to do. But in 2014, she was invited to Genesis. She had never been to a church like Genesis before and something happened, a seed was planted inside of her. Now, lots of time passed. Kelsey graduated high school, Kelsey graduated college and then COVID hit and Kelsey realized I'm doing life alone. I'm very curious about God. I don't know what to do. And somehow she lives in downtown Indy. She's not set foot on one of our physical locations. Somehow she found Genesis online and Kelsey started worshiping with us online, listening to scripture, listening to messages and learning how to follow Jesus. And then Kelsey did something really, really bold. She emailed us and said, my name is Kelsey. I have questions about God. I don't know where to start. Can someone please call me? And I, thankfully I was the one that got it. I love talking to people like that. So I called Kelsey and said, tell me your story. She told me your story. I was fascinated. I said, you mean to tell me you've never set foot? No. You mean to tell me you found us online accidentally? Yeah, yeah, that's the story. And here's what's really cool is we talked about it. Kelsey has lots of questions, lots of doubts like many of us, but I, I explained to her who Jesus is and why he came and she received Jesus. She put her faith in Jesus on the phone. I said, Kelsey, I, Kelsey, I'm so proud of you. You don't have anybody coaching you along. You're just doing this. The Holy Spirit's leading you. And here's what's really cool. Kelsey's gonna get baptized next week. She's gonna be here to be baptized with us. Isn't that awesome? Kelsey, they're clapping for you right now. They're clapping for you right now, Kelsey. And here's what's really cool. Kelsey has started to share with her family and they don't understand. They don't even like it. 
She heard, she followed, she's finding family and she's finding ways to bring them to Jesus. Now, if Kelsey can do that, we can do that. This is what we're called to do. Jesus doesn't really make it optional. He's like, follow me and go to church every Sunday for the rest of your life. That's not the plan. He says, you follow me and you bring other people to me. So for those of us that have been following Jesus for a while, it is time for us to take the next step and to find people and to bring them to him. He equips us with the power of his Holy Spirit. That's why we're studying through John this year. It's an easy thing we can do together. If you are like me and you've been following Jesus for a while, let's move beyond following and let's find and let's bring and let's pray and let's trust that God's gonna do something greater than we could ever imagine. But I also know that there's some of us that have been hearing for a while. You've been hearing uh, in, in, in your apartment, you've been hearing with us on the drive, you've been coming on Sundays and you hear, but you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Today could be your day. What are you waiting on? He just says, come and see. And no matter what you're seeking, if you're seeking answers or satisfaction, if you're looking for forgiveness of your past life and a new start, Jesus says, I can offer you all of that. Why don't you come and see? If you are ready to begin a relationship with Jesus, I want you to email us right now at info at genesischurch.me or come and find me and Paul after service. We're not gonna convince you of anything. We just wanna help you take the next step in your spiritual journey. We're all on that path somewhere. We all have a decision to make about where we're going next. I'm excited to see what God's gonna do. Let's pray together. Father, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful for the truth of your word. I'm so thankful that John wrote this story down. It's how he met you for the first time, Jesus. It's how Andrew and Philip and Peter and Nathaniel, it's how they met you for the very first time. And you invited them to investigate and they found and they saw. And 2,000 years later, those men, that, those five guys have grown into a worldwide movement of people following you. Holy Spirit, would you grab a hold of those of us that have been following Jesus for a while and would you help us to realize there are people around us that need to be found and brought to you? I pray for my friends that are hearing. Holy Spirit, would you move them past hearing to following, to encountering? Lead them into a relationship. I pray that next week would be the biggest baptism service we've ever celebrated, not for the sheer number of baptisms, but just because people are surrendering to you in new ways. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Paul mentioned this earlier. We're gonna share communion together today. And as we do, if you, if you don't have communion yet, it's at the tables around the room. But I wanna take you back to a passage of scripture that we read last week or read this week where John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What John is saying is there's our savior right there. He's the lamb of God that will die in our place and that through faith in him, we are forgiven of our sins. It's a beautiful picture of why we celebrate communion. And so before we eat together, let's pause right where you are. This is an opportunity for those of us that follow Jesus to confess our sins to him. And they are many. That's no big secret, right? So let's confess our sins to him right now and then we'll eat together.